Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yeah, if you're a first-time guest, all you got to do is start talking to people and say, what's God done for you? And you'd be shocked. Some are like, hey, what's God done? Well, for Kathy Bufkin, the doctor told her that she had a spot on her kidney, could be cancerous. So she said, well, go ahead and take a look. So they went and took a look. And when they went in to take a look, because she was believing God would be gone, it was gone. And God healed her, and it wasn't even in there. Oh, you could talk with David Mackey, and you could find out for his whole years, probably, you know, younger than a teenager, he started drinking beer, running the streets of Chicago, and drank, 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 drank all of his life, had stuff hit all over the place, would go, was an iron worker, and walked those skyscrapers up there in Chicago, all lit, I mean, drank all the time, walking those beams, stories up. It's amazing that he didn't fall off, but God. Yeah, one day... He finally showed up at Anchor Faith Church because his family was coming. Really just to get him off his back because they kept asking all the time. And he came in and we ministered a word and it did something to the inside of him. And he came down. I didn't even touch him, lay hands. He said, I've been an alcoholic all my life. Pray for me that I'll quit. He walked out the door and never touched another bottle. It's been like, I don't know, 10, 12 years now. How many? 11 years. 11 years, not touch one. Now, he's had ample opportunity to grab one. In fact, he'd been out in his shop, and all of a sudden, there's something he hid. And all he'd do is open it up, pour it out, say, you're defeated. You're under my feet. Budweiser ain't bigger than Jesus. Bush ain't bigger than Jesus. Miller ain't bigger than Jesus. Crown Royal don't have a crown bigger than Jesus. Amen. Because there's no rival to the name of Jesus. When you actually believe in the name of Jesus, the name of Jesus conquers it all. Hallelujah. See, I don't know that Jesus has somebody presented to you, and the Bible's very clear, quite frankly. Paul said, if somebody presents to you a different Jesus. Now, a lot of times we think these are people who don't say Jesus is Lord and that he didn't die on the cross and was born again. But I'm here to submit to you, people are presenting that Jesus and that Jesus alone, but Jesus is more than that. And if all you did is believe in that Jesus alone, you're going to seriously suffer on the earth only to find out when you're present with him that he could have done way more in you if you only would have listened and believed and grown because they presented you a Jesus that keeps you out of hell, but that's all he can do. And it's like, that's all that really matters. When Jesus is like, I did way more than that. In fact, keeping you out of hell was the least if you could get revelation of that, staying out of hell is the least. That's the least he could have done. Oh, I'm already shifting minds right now. The least he could have done not to die and burn in hell forever. Yeah, that's the least. That's the least he could have done. It's nothing for him. Death can't hold him. Conquering death was nothing. That's easy. I said, that was easy. That was easy as healing somebody. He said, which is easier? To tell a man his sins are forgiven. Why? So that he won't be condemned and judged to eternal damnation. Or to tell this person to get up and be healed. It's all easy to me. We try to act like that's the hardest. It's just that that's the only thing that he, that he could do that we could never. We couldn't have done it. Only he could do it. But to him, it was easy. And that's the least he, could, he did for us. Because he did way more than just keep us out of eternal damnation. He brought us into something. I said he got us into something. I, 
wish somebody would get more excited than my wife. Amen. She's always happy. She's always excited. I can get her running in the house about the word. Amen. I mean, you'd think she'd be bored with me by now and just sit there quiet. But she's got the word of God alive on the inside of her. She told me one day coming across the three trail bridge, she says, you know, I'm your only fan. <laughs> yeah, 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 you are. Amen. Because if you won't shout me down, she will. Because I found a good thing. Amen. Let's turn over to Matthew chapter 15, verse 3. We're going to kick this thing off, man. We're going to talk about the forest today. And in Matthew chapter 15, verse 3, and it says, And he answered and said to them, Why do you transgress the commandments of God for the sake of your traditions? Now, again, when you see tradition here, you don't want to get this out of context, because we're not talking about the tradition of, of eating with family or a tradition, you know, that it's not a bad thing. This is in context. He's talking to religious people that basically have taken God's word and in essence made traditions about his word, which really, let, we could translate it this way, made a religion out of the word of God. Not out of the truth of God's word, but out of God's word to fit their narrative and their purpose. So in essence, Jesus says, why do you transgress the command of God for your religious activities? As if you're pleasing him, as if you've done something great. And he was not really happy with these guys at all because he knew not only did they have God's word brought down from Moses and the prophets, but also had the capacity to have the anointing of God come upon them to illuminate them how to rightly divide it. Yet they were stubborn. Yet they wanted to create a religion unto themselves so that it profited them themselves and they used God uh, as that purpose. And Jesus, who's the son of God, was not well. So today, God's really saying the same thing to humanity. Why are you making my word religious and not just doing what I said? Amen. Today, as we take an adventure, and we're only beginning today, there was a time I preached this thing in one service. But, man, we've learned so much over the years concerning this that there's just no way. In fact, I plan to do it in two, probably going to go to three now. Because you know what? I know some of you, you've not heard anything I've ever said before. And let me just say it this way. I'm not asking you to believe anything I say. In fact, if you went and listened to somebody and believed it just because they said it, you're an error. If the Holy Ghost doesn't bear witness with your spirit, it's truth. And then you actually take the time to open up a Bible and read it and discover it yourself, you are heading for deception. I'm amazed at how people just want to get a little quick word from somebody that they may not know or have only heard about them, but never really done any studying themselves. And just because someone says, they say, well, that's God. I don't take anybody's word for it. Even when I was in school, I went and searched myself. I was a Berean, like Paul said. I appreciate you guys, that you guys, since he wrote over half the New Testament anyway, he said, I'm glad that you guys aren't accepting what I say just because I say it, but you're searching the Scripture out to verify that it's truth. Amen. So I, I dare you. Down here in this, I double-dog dare you to actually take notes today. To actually maybe go back online and listen to this thing more and more and more so that you can prove it out. Because I'm going to say some things that's going to jack your religion all up today. What you thought you knew about Jesus, you're going to find out something totally different. And I don't apologize for it. Because Jesus has sent me on the assignment to tell you the thing he talked about. People say, well, we got to preach the gospel of Jesus. The problem is nobody knows what the gospel of Jesus is. The majority do not. They only know a tradition of Jesus. 
And some things they know about it, though it's truth, it only goes to a point. But God desires for us to understand the full counsel of God. The Bible's not hard to understand at all, actually. It's only there for those who will actually seek it. He didn't say he'd give you the word just because it showed up at your house. He said he'd give it to you by you seeking it. We can't lay on our uh, um, Bible at night and get it through osmosis. No, you actually got to discipline yourself. Amen. And when you do so, God will let you discover him. And he's eagerly waiting for this conversation. Amen. But most just like the simple truth. The one. If I ask Jesus to come to my heart and save me, when I die, I go to heaven. That's all I really care about. And as a result of that, you never live up to the potential that God ever wanted you to live. And he will address you about it face to face. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So let's reconsider what we think we know. And let's actually look at the scripture. Now I'm going to start in Acts chapter 18. In Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 24 to 28, um, there's a guy by the name of Apollos, all right? And this guy shows up in Ephesus, and he begins to preach the things of God. Verse 25 says, this man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately. Notice that word accurately, the things concerning Jesus. But listen, being acquainted only, say only. Come on, say only only with the baptism of John. So what he's teaching is accurate, but it's only in context to the baptism of John. Now, there happens to be a couple in the crowd, and this couple happens to hear him as he's ministering these things, and it says, and he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue when Priscilla and Aquila heard him. They took him aside, and look what they did, explained to him the way of God more. So he's a preacher. He's been ministering. And the Lord himself, by unction of the Spirit, uh, the writer of Acts, did not pin this on his own, but wrote it as the Lord. So even the Lord acknowledges by the Holy Spirit, when Luke wrote this book, that what he was preaching was truth based upon what he knows. I'm amazed at how many believers know something, but then stop in wanting to know more. Hallelujah. Amen. My wife will start running here in a minute just to get everybody in line. He is teaching, ministering. God acknowledges is it good, but it isn't good enough. And has a couple and says, give him some more. Now, there must have been something in Apollos that wanted more for God to release the more. Amen. And we should be hungry for more. Well, it goes on and says this. At that point, after he hears these things and he desires to go um, um, to another place and the brethren encourage the disciples to welcome him. We'll see here in a minute where that context is. And so verse 28, he powerfully refuted the Jews in public, uh, in public, demonstrating by the scriptures that Jesus was what? The Christ. Jesus was the Christ. He changed his message about Jesus. Now, his message was truth concerning repentance, but there was something he learned about Jesus he had not seen before, and Priscilla and Aquila helped him. And then he began to proclaim Jesus was the Christ. The problem is most people don't know what the Christ is. They just think that's Jesus' last name, Jesus Christ. And sometimes it's military Christ, Jesus. When I was in the military, Glisten came first. Private Glisten. It was Glisten, Earl. Right? They didn't went that way. Well, we just think all of a sudden we put his last name. No, Christ is title. 
And if you don't know what the title is, then you'll never understand who Christ, who Jesus is. Okay, let's read this out of the message, though. The message gets this right. It says it this way. A man named Apollos came to Ephesus. He was a Jew born in Alexandria, uh, Egypt, and a terrific speaker, eloquent and powerful in preaching of the Scripture. He was well-educated in the way of the Master and fiery in his enthusiasm. Apollos was accurate in everything he taught about Jesus up to a point. But But he only went as far as the baptism of John. He preached with power in the meeting place. When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and told him the rest of the story. Say the rest of the story. I'm going to give you the rest of the story this morning. Amen. Amen. And if you right now don't even want to hear the rest of the story because you think you got all the story, you're in trouble. There's more. Say there's more. Go ahead. Tap your name and say there's more. Say there's so much you don't have. You have no idea. Amen. There's more. In essence, Apollos became a tree hugger. And the Lord wanted to reveal the forest to Apollos. It goes on and says this. So, after he hears the rest of the story, when Apollos decided to go to this providence, his Ephesian friends gave his blessing and wrote uh, a letter of recommendation for him, urging the disciples to welcome him with open arms. The welcome paid off. Apollos turned out uh, to be a great help to those who had uh, become believers through God's immense generosity or by the grace of God. Uh, He was particularly effective in public uh, debate when the Jews... Uh, with the Jews as he uh, brought out proof after convincing proof from the Scripture that Jesus was, in fact, God's Messiah. What I find interesting is that not only did he know about Jesus, the Lamb that was slain, but now he knows about Jesus, the Christ, Jesus, the Messiah. Many know about Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. He came without spot or wrinkle. Hallelujah. Many know about that. Yet... They stay there. And we've, uh, we've, we've basically put ourselves in a position where we've stuck at one truth and are refusing to go beyond. Instead of stepping back and looking at what the forest is, we are holding on to a tree. And the tree is a truth of God's word. It's actually contained within his Bible. It has power, and we experience it. But God never intended us to be a tree hugger. The first tree that we want to hug is the cross. Now, I'm going to help some people because you become too religion about the cross. You love the cross. You wear the cross. You got the cross everywhere. You're tattooing the cross. You sing songs about the cross. You think I don't like the cross. I thank God for the cross, but my Jesus is not on the cross. Jesus told me to go beyond the cross because Jesus did. I said Jesus did. Jesus had to go by way of a cross. But if he was born today, he wouldn't have went through the cross. He'd have went through another form of execution. I heard one minister say this. Wearing a cross on your neck is no different than wearing an electric chair. If you're from the state of Florida. Or a little syringe if you're from one of those states that they inject you with lethal injection. We had like Jesus the only one who went on the cross. The day Jesus went, two others were there. And they weren't the first three. So the cross was just the form of execution. It's not the emphasis. It's the fact that Jesus has to die and pour out his blood. But death is not the only thing Jesus did. In fact, if we're hanging around hugging the cross, this is no different than you going and finding Muhammad's grave or Buddha's grave 
because they died. Are you with me? They that preceded, those that came after, there are many that were equated as gods, and you can find their graves everywhere. I can go to Golgotha and will and see where Jesus hung, but I know he's not there. Hallelujah. Because what Jesus has done that no other religious figure can do or would do and had the capacity to do is that he was able to take himself up on the third day and he rose from the grave. Hallelujah. Amen. So quit hugging the cross and get over to the grave. Trade your cross for a crown. Because Jesus isn't on a cross anymore. Get you a necklace with a spinning rock. And when says, what's that spinner on your necklace? Say, that's the rock that was rolled away. My king's alive. Hallelujah. I said, my king's alive. He rules and reigns. He's seated in heavenly places. He's not dead. So I don't glory in his death. I glory in his resurrection. And I just lost a few people. But it's no wonder I did because you're like Peter. And Peter, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus came to his disciples and says, hey, who do people say that I am? They say, hey, man, some say you're Elijah. Say some of you, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And he said, but who do you say I am? Peter said, you're the son of the living God. Jesus said, flesh and blood has not revealed that to you, but my Father who's in heaven. And upon this rock, because he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said, upon this rock, the Christ, I'm going to build my church. But then he went on and said, now listen, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're going to grab me and they're going to kill me. The minute Peter heard they're going to kill me, he got stuck at death and didn't listen anymore. Jesus actually carried on further conversation. He said, but on the third day, I'll be raised from the dead. Peter didn't hear none of that. He, it's like Jesus went, uh, the Pharisees and Sadducees, they're going to kill me. Then he quit talking. Then Peter's like, can I talk to you for a minute? Come on. Jesus, Jesus, may you never die. God forbid it. I won't allow it to happen. Now, Jesus said, you're blessed, Simon Barjona. <laughs> you're blessed, right? But now he's saying, get thee behind me, Satan. For you set your mind on the interest of man and not on the interest of God. In fact, you're missing the plan of God. The plan of God is not the cross. I'm just going by way of it. I got to purchase some things. And there's a reason why I'm purchasing something. Hallelujah. So, what we need to understand is that there was more to minister than just what Apollos was ministering. Now, I'm going to take you to Acts chapter 19. Very next chapter, starting in verse 1. Now, where was Apollos? He was in Ephesus. And he was preaching. And what was he preaching? The baptism of John. Repentance. But then Priscilla and Aquila grabbed him and said, now we're going to teach you more accurate. And when they showed him that, he said, man, this is awesome. I want to go preach this. Now where I go. And we have recorded in that last chapter that he went and started preaching about Jesus, the Christ. Jesus was, in fact, God's Messiah. But Paul comes in after him. Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it said, It happened while Apollos was in Corinth, so that's where he went. Paul passed through the upper country and came to Ephesus. Guess who just left Ephesus? 
Apollos. And what was Paulus preaching in Ephesus? Okay, repentance of John. And found some disciples. And he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said to him, we have not even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. What? Apollos was just preaching. They're disciples. Paul talks to them about something in the word that they don't even know about. So the last preacher didn't tell them about it. Now, Paul could have stopped right here. And this is what he says. So he goes on, he says, he said to them, into what were then were you baptized? Since you don't know what I'm talking about. And they said, into John's baptism. Who was preaching that? Who was preaching that? You know what he could have done? Listen, hey, if that's what you want, I'm not here to ruffle feathers. That's your denomination. You stay with that. You know what? Since you hadn't heard about the Holy Spirit, we'll just agree to disagree. At least you're born again. Oh, I'm yeah. I'm preaching. Yeah. Yeah, you can go and tell your people that when they die, they'll go to heaven one day because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave and poured out his blood and you've committed horrific sins and Jesus is the only one who can pay the price. And yes, that is all the truth. And then all they'll do is wait around on a planet until they die so they can go and be with heaven. Yeah, Paul says there's more. But there's more. And Priscilla and Aquila says, that was good preaching. That was good preaching, Apollos. But there's more. And you know what I love about Apollos? Apollos didn't say, now my denomination doesn't accept that truth. Okay, I'll go over to this one. My denomination doesn't accept that truth. Oh, your denomination doesn't accept that truth. Last time I checked, I'm not supposed to accept the denominational truth. I'm supposed to accept the word of God truth. I mean, at what point are we going to get in alignment with God's word and quit trying to be in alignment with a denomination or men's ears? Well, I can't preach that because people get offended and leave. Well, they're leaving Jesus, not me. I mean, I only can say what Jesus is saying. Now, I could get up here and make things up to make you feel good, give you some cotton candy and a little brownie, and you'll love it. But after a while, you'll be a diabetic and die. But at least I get you to heaven, right? No, we having cauliflower today. We having broccoli and asparagus. We're going to get a little salmon in you. Why? So you can get healthy because there's way more about Jesus than he, he died and he rose and forgave us of our sin. That's what he did. But there's more. There's the rest of the story. So Paul then says this. He says, Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in him who was coming after him, that is, in Jesus. Now, let me tell you about Jesus. So when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them because it was already in them with Apollos, came on them, and they began speaking with tongues and prophesying. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. There were about 12 men. Now, look at verse 8. And he entered the synagogue, the one Apollos left. He entered the synagogue and continued speaking out boldly for three months, reasoning, persuading with them about the kingdom of God. See, John preached this message. John the Baptist, that is, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said, I'm just the forerunner. The king's coming. The king's coming. 
The king's coming. I'm preparing straight the way. The king's coming. Repent. You're going to have to change your thinking. You're going to have to quit living like this. You're going to have to live a different lifestyle because the king's coming. And they picked up that repentance. They picked up that thought of repentance. And man, whole denominations, whole places all over the world just keep preaching repentance. Repentance, repentance, repentance. And repentance is a part of the message, but it's not it. Repentance gets you to the latter. See, repentance focuses on the nature of man, but the kingdom focuses on the purpose of man. Many people are dealing with their nature, but they're never discovering their purpose. This is why they want to leave. This is why people want to leave and go to heaven. Because as long as you're just grappling with your nature, this is why they take up this mantra. I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace, man. I mean, I, I ain't no different than you. It's just that Jesus' blood has been for me. I sin every day like you. See, you're dealing with nature. You're just dealing with nature. You're in a constant state of having to repent, 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 change your thinking. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. God, forgive me. But God actually put you in a place if you'll actually go on to the kingdom where he redeemed you yeah. to the point that you don't even have to sin daily. Amen. That sin will become very far removed from your life. As an action. In fact, you'll go so far as to live that you'll for, you won't even remember the last time you did it. And anytime you do, you'll know immediately, mm, that ain't right. And get quick to repent. Say, no, nope, not doing that because I'm a kingdom citizen now. Hallelujah. See, people say, well, I know about the kingdom. That's when we go to heaven. No, nope, the kingdom wasn't about an exit strategy. The kingdom was about an entrance strategy. Have you read your Bible? Jesus said... When you pray, pray this way. Our Father. Father. Whose Father? Father? Not His Father, but ours. Let's get revelation now. Not His Father, but our Father. Who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom. Your kingdom. Your kingdom. Come on, shout it out. Your kingdom. Your will be on, on as it is. Why are you waiting to go to heaven when God's trying to get heaven to you? Now, I know where it's at because God lets me know when you start talking. Just like it was in the day when Jesus was in the house and all of a sudden they ripped the roof off and four men were letting down a guy paralyzed. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then by the Holy Ghost, he said, now there's people in the room. The Holy Ghost tells Jesus, there's people in the room saying that you blaspheming. So Jesus says, why do you say among yourself that only God can forgive? Which is easier for me to say their sins are forgiven or to heal this man? To let you know I have authority for both. For both. Get up and walk. The man picked up his, his mat, walked, and walked out the room. So I know when this time comes, because of tradition and the religion that's swarming around in people's minds, I just want you to know to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he's currently not resident here in body form. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. So I have no problem with us going somewhere. But I'm not waiting to get somewhere. Because somewhere wants to come to me now. Wants me to experience it now, even in this life. And if I only live a life of repentance and not a life in the kingdom, then I'll always be waiting to go somewhere while all the while God's saying, I'm trying to get something to you while you're there. It's going to answer a lot of questions for you because you're wondering why God's not answering your prayers. It's going to answer a lot of questions why you made things about God religious to try to fit your experiences, but the reality is you just don't know how to operate in the kingdom. The reality is, is that you're waiting to go somewhere, and God's really trying to get something down here, but there's ways to get it down here. You just don't wave a magic wand and it show up. God does not violate his word. 
Because Ecclesiastes 8, 4 says where the word of the king is, there's power. Hallelujah. So we need to understand we have got to see the forest, but we can't see the forest because of the trees. Have you ever heard that analogy? You can't see the forest for the trees. And the problem is that we're hugging on trees. In essence, just to be honest with you, we've brought the United States government into the church. I know that's shocking to you, but the reality is, even though you say separation of church and state, your practices to believe God are absolutely democratic. Now, just to let you know, the United States is actually not a democracy. It is a democratic republic. And a democratic republic is where a law was set down through a constitution that was to be uphold. And the democracy was is that the morality of people would never vote in an amoral person that would violate law. That was the intent. It was never so that someone could rise to power that was not moral and that was evil and ungodly and all of a sudden uh, um, dominate and, and hold down people like dictators do. But a democracy, a true one, is just where the, the, most, uh, the majority of thought wins. Well, the minute that takes place, law doesn't matter. It's just what the most think is right. But the Bible tells us there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end lies death. So when the majority of people, their right thinking is actually evil thinking, then all of a sudden what was wrong becomes right, and what was right becomes wrong, and then we live in the days of the prophet Isaiah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, with that being said, the Bible's not about the salvation of man, but it includes it. Still taught to some people, say, man, this whole book is about the salvation of man. No, it's not. No, it's not at all. But it includes the salvation of man. And the minute you hug one tree, then you miss everything else about the Bible. This Bible is not about the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, man, we love the power of the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost. Man, we want to get in the presence of God. We want to get slain in the Spirit. We want the power of God to come. We can't even stand in His presence. There's places where God moves in. People can't stand. It's scripturally supported. Man, the power of God comes. He'll give you the language of the kingdom. His power healed people, all kind of stuff. People waiting on the gifts of the Spirit to be in manifestation. They hug the gifts of the Spirit tree. But the Bible's not about the power of the Holy Spirit, but it includes it. The Bible's not about the healing of man. Oh, I love healing. Man, I want to see miracle signs and wonder. I want to go to the place where the miracles are working, where the healing's going, where the healing's happening. I just, I can't even be around places that nobody don't heal. And all they want to do is run around and find healing ministries. Well, the Bible's not about healing, but it includes it. The Bible's not about deliverance. There's whole ministries called Deliverance Tabernacle of Mount Zion. I mean, whole ministries, all they specialize in is rebuking devils. You show up, they'll get rid of your nicotine spirit. They'll get rid of your alcohol spirit. They'll get rid of your jealousy spirit. They'll get rid of your uh, uh, adultery spirit. I mean, everything's a spirit. But the problem is you can't get rid of your flesh, and that's your problem. But can we rebuke devils? You bet we can. When I was in India, not this past year, but the year before, I gave an altar call. And when there's like hundreds of thousands of, uh, of gods to pick from, when you start preaching about Jesus, the uh, people in India is like, great, I'll accept Jesus. We'll just add him. And, I, and so I have to preach very deliberate, which could get me thrown in jail. 
but I do anyway. And when I preach, I say this. When I get them up there, I say, now listen, you must denounce every other God because they do not exist. They are false and a lie. And many are originated from evil spirits. You must denounce them. There's only one. He's Jesus. And there was a particular couple that came, and the husband, he was whacked out of his mind because he was on something, to be honest with you. But even in his um, um, intoxication, something in the spirit was like, I need Jesus. He was like wide-eyed like a deer caught in headlights. I mean, he's like, like just stunned there. He couldn't move. Almost like just um, like a robot, I mean like a statue. His wife, on the other hand, was dealing with something on the inside. And I knew by the Spirit because they had a child who couldn't walk. And this Spirit had come into the house because they had so many of them and had affected their child. And I looked at her and I said, you must denounce everyone and only call Jesus as Lord. And when I did, all of a sudden she went, bam, and hit the ground. I had nobody behind her, no usher, nothing, just hit like that. Did her brain spill out? No. Did she die? No. Did she have a concussion? No, because the Lord was there. I had a nurse that went with us on the team, went to run, thinking maybe it's medical, and I said, nothing's wrong, sit down. Within two minutes, she started to get up, clarity, and said, Jesus is Lord. When I went back this year, that same couple is in church. That same couple has now prospered. That same couple has grown, and their daughter is walking. I looked at them that first night. I said, you go home, you find every auto, and you throw it out of your house. Get rid of it. Don't have nothing hanging around. And they acted on that word, and today they're walking in the kingdom, and God is turning their life around. But the Bible's not about deliverance, but it includes it. The Bible's not about baptisms, but it includes it. Are you with me? The Bible's not about the prosperity of man. There's all, all kinds of camps where all they want to talk about is God's prosperity. Does God want you to prosper? Absolutely. Why? So you can accomplish your purpose. I mean, it ain't like God's broke. He owns the planet. Let that sink in for a minute. I mean, it's like you going to Walt Disney World with the president of the organization. What kind of access do you think you're going to have with the president of Disney? Oh, you come on, let me show you this. Hey, you want to get in my jet? We'll go to the places I gotta crawl. Right? And what would you do? Oh, no, please don't. I'm not worth I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy for you to take me on your private jet. No, you'd be like, this is awesome, right? Our dad owns the planet. See, we're thinking too small. But when you live in repentance only, you'll only think small. Because you'll think the greatest reward you have is not going to hell. And that was the least. <sighs> okay. So when we understand what the Bible is about, everything becomes clear. This is why Apollos need to hear from Priscilla and Aquila. So to discover the force, we're going to have to go back to the book of beginnings. 
Genesis chapter 1-1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Come on, write this stuff down. Who created the heavens and the earth? God did. God created the heavens and the earth. Psalms 89, 11. I'm going to drop some scripture on you. Again, I'm not giving you a bunch of emails, cute stories. Okay? I'm going to give you things from the Word of God that you can go study yourself. I had a great couple that's uh, come to our church, moved from another state in first service. And as I walked out, they, the, the husband looked at me and he said, you have given me a lot of things that I'm going to have to go home and study now. Wow. I'm going to have to listen to this over and over and over again. You have challenged me. I thank God he has ears to hear. And they'll partner with the ministry on Saturday. Amen. Because they heard God to come in the first place. You understand? Um, you have something that you know from God. But God sent you here so we could give you something else. Hallelujah. Because God wants to pull more out of you. Psalms 89, 11 says it this way. It says, the heavens are yours. The earth also is yours. The world and all it contains, you have founded them. Who made the heavens and the earth? Who did? Who did this? Why are they his? Because he made them. He didn't say, you know what? I'm going to go buy that planet, third rock from the sun. You know what? Let me find somebody to purchase that from. He didn't have to buy it. He made it. He said, and it was. <laughs> Hallelujah. He said, and it manifested. He said, let there be. And it happened. He said, let there be. And there was. For every time the Lord speaks, says the Lord, my word always comes to pass. It never fails not to, because my word shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. It shall not return to me, boy, but it shall accomplish that which it was sent to do. Why? Because I'm the king. I am the creator of all. And nothing exists except by my word. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If we would understand the position that God is actually in, we would quit living feeble lives waiting to go to heaven. Hallelujah. The greatest force on the planet today is the church of Jesus Christ. Now, it's not the church that says Jesus is a part of theirs, but it's actually a work that man's making. It is the one Jesus is actually responsible for building because he never delegated the task. He said, Peter, I'll build my church. So this ain't my ministry. It's Jesus. This is why I'm telling you like, it, like he is because I'm not here to keep you. I'm here to instruct you from the king. Hallelujah. I was here for anyone came. I'll be here after everybody goes maybe because I'm going to finish the assignment. Amen. Amen, because I'll stand before Jesus, not you. Amen. He goes on and says this, Isaiah 45, 18. For this is what the Lord says, he who created the heavens, he is God, who fashioned and made the earth. He founded it, did not create it to be empty, but formed it to be inhabited. He says, I am the Lord, and there is no other. There is no other. There is no other. Well, what if we aren't right? Maybe you're right. No, I'm right. I'm right. There is no other God but God the Father, the Son, His name is Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit, period. And there's no way to the Father but through Jesus Christ, period. There is no other way. Any other way is a lie. Period. Period. There's no other way. You can't enter any other way. It's the only way. And you better know it because this ain't subjective. This isn't some, well, maybe that's relative. It is absolute truth. 
Because the Holy Spirit doesn't communicate truth. He is truth. Truth, the problem with most people think it's information. Because, well, what's the truth in Washington? What's the truth here? We'll get to that next week. The truth is the Spirit. So there's only one way, Pastor Marcus. And we're absolutely right. His name's Jesus. Hallelujah. Without a doubt. The earth, two or three witnesses, the Bible says. I've given you three. How about four? Psalms 24, 1. The earth is the Lord's. Whose is it? The Lord's. And all its fullness, the world and all who dwell in it. Amen. So there's got to be a reason why God created the earth, right? I mean, there must be a purpose because God doesn't do anything without purpose. He didn't like, I'm so bored right now. Jesus, what do you want to do, man? Holy Spirit, what do you, I mean, what do you want to do? <sighs> For all eternity, I'm just hanging out by myself, you know? I'm bored. Let there be a little rock. That's kind of cool. Let there be a little light. Oh, yeah, that's neat. Let's see what else we can do. No. No, he knew exactly what he was doing the whole time. He knew exactly what he was doing. There's purpose. And the problem is we don't know what purpose is. Because we've been stuck in repentance. Repentance focuses on the nature of man, but the kingdom focuses on the purpose of man. Jesus actually tells us, literally, what the purpose was. Literally. And yet people still miss Jesus' good news. You know why people love getting out of hell so bad? Because the reality is they love being Esau. Who's an Esau? Esau doesn't like not having the blessing but does not want to take the responsibility of the blessing. He wants no responsibility of birthright, but he wants the blessing from the Father. So when Jacob says, sell me your birthright, he says, what's birthright to me if I'm going to die? Here, you can have it. Birthright, everything. So when dad's now fixing to bless, and y'all thought that Jacob was just being a deceiver through his mom, actually he was owed it because Esau had already given it away. And when he got the blessing, which is a double portion for the firstborn by birthright, and Esau comes in and says, bless me. Right? I want the stuff without the responsibility. I want to live on earth like I want to and not be responsible, but I don't want to go to hell. I want the blessing of missing hell. Jesus, come to my heart and save me. So when I die, I won't go to hell. But yet, why are we not in church? Because once I'm saved, I'm good. It's quiet in this sanctuary right now. <laughs> Amen. No, I don't know the last time you went to a church that they actually inspired you to grow and think. Because there's such great potential in you, better, greater than what you're releasing right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus tells us in Matthew 25, 34. You ready to see it? Come on, can you stay with me just a little bit? Yes. Amen. Yeah, that's probably three weeks. Matthew 25, 34 says this. Then the king, 
Then the king... Now notice, if you read this in context, there's this time where the king shows up and he separates the sheep from the goats. The sheep come to the right hand, the goats go to the left hand. The sheep had to be living away in order to come in. The goats were not living that way and got put out. Are you with me? So the king will say to those who are on his right, come you who are blessed of my father, look what they're going to do. They're going to what? Inherit... Inherit what? Inherit what? The kingdom prepared for you where? From the foundation of the world. The reason why God created the heavens and the earth is because he wanted to expand his kingdom. It's always been about his kingdom. The Bible is not about the salvation of man. It's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. It's always about the kingdom of God. It's always been about the kingdom of God and nothing other than the kingdom of God. But because man failed in Genesis 3, God had to bring a plan in to restore back to his original intent that he had in Genesis 1 and 2. Most of the church lives Genesis 3 to Revelation 20. They don't even take into account 1 and 2, and they never read 22 or 21 and 22 in context. And as a result of that, they live a life of repentance, only wanting to get to heaven and leave this terrible earth. Yet Jesus, when he came to the, the terrible planet, operated in great power and authority and would say aud audacious things, Michael, like this, the works that I do. Greater works will you do. Where's those people at? They aren't ones sitting by waiting to go to heaven. No, they're a different breed of people. I said they're a different type of people. There are people who's caught, cast off just staying in repentance and moved on into the kingdom of God to begin to discover all that God has for them right now, right here, to live out God's plan and purpose right now. Well, what is the kingdom? Let me just define it for you. A kingdom is the government influence. Yes, I said that correctly. A kingdom is the government influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose, and intent. What territory does God have? Is the earth God's? Yes. Yep. Is the heavens God's? Yes. Yep. Does he own them? Yes. Yep. And he didn't have to conquer them. He made them. So what's his intent? His kingdom government will influence these territories with his will, purpose, and intent. And in doing so, he'll produce citizens uh, expressing the culture, values, and morals, and lifestyles reflecting that of the king. So in essence, when God started, the territory that we're on, or the earth, was, was made from the home country. It's a place we call heaven, where God lives. And when God created the first inhabitants of what we call planet Earth, they were not a different culture than the home country, but they were actually of the nature of God himself. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. The problem is man, 
as we know today in the time frame that we're in, we've only known ourselves as disobedient, as rebellious, as running from God, as doing our own things, as never connected, as far from God for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. Yet there was a species of being that didn't live that way originally. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. If you define the word image and likeness, it means a carbon copy. That means the DNA of God became the DNA of Adam. That is, Adam operated in the earth was how God operates in his realm. And it says this, let them have, what do they have? Dominion or rule over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So both male and female had dominion. We were never to rule each other, but we were to rule over the things of the world. So God from his realm would speak to us in our realm through our spirit. And we would receive that instruction and carry out that plan right here on the planet. Amen. That's what we were to do. Dominion means to rule. It means to govern. It means to manage. It means to control things. It means to reign over. This is why we struggle in elections. Because we don't know. Who do we pick? We don't want to pick anybody to rule over us. There's only one that has that right and should have that right. And it's God. He is the king. Jesus Christ is the king. He's the one who should reign over us. See, God's original plan was to extend his heavenly kingdom into this earthly realm through mankind. That's his original plan. My realm shows up in this realm through you. That's it. God created man to manage and administrate his resources on the earth. God put man in the garden and said, you can eat of any tree. Remember, he said, Adam, let's go name, let's name the animals. Adam, what do you think, God? He didn't say that, did he? He said, Adam, name them. And so Adam did what God said. What he said, what he spoke, it was. So when he said giraffe, it's a giraffe. When he said elephant, it was elephant. When he said hippopotamus, it's a hippopotamus. When he said crocodile, it's crocodile. Whatever he called it is what it was. What he named it, it was, because he had that authority. And they obeyed him. The ground obeyed him. The animals obeyed him. The birds obeyed him. The fish obeyed him. Anything going around would hear the voice of Adam and obey. I'll show you in two weeks. I'm going to show you without a doubt that Adam had this. So with that being said, the purpose and destiny of mankind was to have dominion or rulership over the earth. God from his unseen realm would influence the seen realm through the unseen spirit of the man living in the seen of the earth through his seen body. That was his plan. That was his purpose. And he takes man, he puts him in the garden, and he says to him this. He says, now look, in Genesis 2, 15 to 17, he said, the Lord God took man, put him in the garden, in the garden of Eden, and he said to cultivate it and keep it. Then the Lord God commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for the day you eat you will surely die. die. See, the king needs unconditional, um, uncompromising allegiance. See, God did not make man. When he made him in his image, he gave him the ability to choose. But all God's beings, whether angelic or um, mankind, have the ability to choose. Because to, in order for God to know that you want to be with him, 
You must have the ability to choose. You must want to. Jesus said it very clear. If you love me, you'll just wake up every morning and say, I love you, Jesus. But if you read your Bible, you know it doesn't say that in John chapter 15. You know it actually says when Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandment or keep my word. You'll do what I say. That's a demonstration of my love, not that I love you. You can say you love me, but not do what I say. And then at that point, I have to conclude you really don't love me. Hallelujah. I don't even just break it down to you in the natural so it can help you. Husbands, you tell, wake up and tell your wife you love, you love her. I love you. I love you only. But you're, you're having an adulterous affair with someone else. You never sleep with her, but you sleep with someone else. But you know I'm the, I only love you. But they'll think, like, you're cheating on me. And believers come to the house of God and raise their hand in words and say, I love you. Then leave on Monday and never do anything he says the rest of the week. You know, I ought to go to church. It is Easter. Besides, mom wants me to. And I got saved when I was nine. What's he want from me? Doesn't she know? At least I'm born again. I'm going to be all right. And you're having an adulterous affair with the world. And you're telling Jesus you love him. Amen. Don't click off yet. Stay. Stay. Amen. But unfortunately, Adam did eat the fruit. So let me ask this question. He said this. He said, Adam, you can eat of any tree of the garden, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For the day you eat, you'll surely die. Question. Which earth did God make? This one? The one we're on? This is the one God made in Genesis 1-1. Okay. Same one. Okay. God made man in his image according to his likeness. His name was Adam. He put him on planet Earth. Is it this one? This one here. Same one? Okay. So God, who can't lie, said, Adam, if you never eat the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll live forever. For the day you eat the fruit, you'll die, which implies if I don't eat, I won't die. So if Adam had never eaten the fruit, where would he be today? So let's change our religious narrative. All of a sudden now, if Adam doesn't eat a fruit, that means when he's walking in the garden, he's not singing. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be when we all see. Because God came down to the garden all the time. He didn't have to go see him. God said, hey, here I am again. Because your realm looks like my realm. Ain't no different. I call mine heaven, call yours earth. But here I am, walking in the cool of the day. You're my son. Eve, I just can't wait to die. I just can't wait. It's going to be so great when we get up there where God's at. God's like, why are you waiting to get up here? I showed up yesterday. <laughs> Come on now. Amen. Listen, Adam did not fall from heaven. He fell from dominion. And Adam didn't lose a religion. He lost access to the kingdom. But Jesus came to reestablish that kingdom. Are you with me? Next week when we come, we're just going to lay the whole forest out for you. We'll start right here in good old Genesis. And show you that it's always been about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. 
and we're going to methodically go through the law, the prophets, get you into Jesus' time and into the writings of Paul, over into Revelation, and we'll just go to Revelation now. Just to let you know, some great good news that you haven't seen before. Are you ready? Because it's always been about a kingdom. In Revelation, turn over to Revelation 21. Because because Adam fell from dominion, this is what happened. The fall of man was a fall of, from dominion, not from heaven. The purpose and goal of God's redemption plan is to restore mankind back to God's original plan. See my Bible? Look real quick. Here's my Bible. Ready? This is where I planted it. This was its creation. Ready? Oh, my Bible fell. Right? Did it fall? Come on, did you witness the fall? Okay, I want to restore my Bible. So if I'm going to restore it, is it restored here? If I want to restore it, is it restored way over here on planet heaven? If I want to restore my Bible to where it fell, I got to put it right back. Hallelujah. And don't think God ain't concerned about planet earth. I mean, you think just because the planet's bad, God's like, forget it, scrap the whole thing. God doesn't scrap any of his creations. Because if he was in the business of scrapping creation, then he'd have scrapped us. But he made a way for us. And I'm telling you, he's making a way for planet Earth. Let's read the Bible. Revelations. Chapter 21, verse 1 says, when I, Then I saw a new heaven and a new, Earth. new, Earth. new, Earth. new, Earth. for the first heaven and the first, Earth. first, Earth. first, Earth. passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city new, Jerusalem. coming, Down. coming Down. out of Is this the Bible? I think the Bible in the next chapter says, Woe to the one who takes out anything. Now, I'm sorry that someone presented you a Jesus that said he died for you, so that when you die, you go to heaven alone. And you'll live there with him forever. I'm sorry they told you that and left it there. But the reality is, this event happens after the taking away of the church. Most believers are just waiting for the trumpet to sound. We're gone. It's over. But the Bible goes on after that event. There's a tribulation period of people still on planet Earth. Then after the tribulation period, guess what? An angel, not Jesus, but an angel says, Devil, Satan, Lucifer of old, chains him personally. One angel. It ain't like Jesus got to come on. All right, you want some of this? I'm fixing to put you. I'm going to put you in that bottomless pit. You going down. This is the fight of all fights. It's the fight of the century. Jesus said, angel, go down there and chain that guy. And you're like, the devil's after me. <laughs> Woo! When you're in a kingdom, you'd be like, don't you come to me. I'm the son of a king. I know who I am. I ain't no sorry sinner saved by grace. I was a sinner. I've been saved by grace through faith. I am now a child of God. I am robed in royalty. 
See, the reason why you struggle is because all this is accessed by faith, not by your natural ability to understand. But here, you did it once. You once believed without ever seeing Jesus on a cross that he bled there and that he died there. And that on the third day, you never saw it when the stone was rolled away. Never. Yet in your hearts of hearts, you believe the event took place and you said, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross and rose from the grave. I call you my Lord. And you know on the inside, all of a sudden, something became new. You can't explain it, but it's there. So why is it hard for you to believe that now you're actually royalty and you don't have to walk around broke, beat down, stuck in everything, that actually you need to figure out what family you have become. And it's been there the whole time. You came to the kingdom. And now the Bible told you, you can boldly come before the throne of... Throne is not a religion. It's in a kingdom. So there's a new earth. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And he said the holy city of New Jerusalem is coming down out of heaven. I didn't say it. God did. From God. Made ready as a bride adorned for her husband. And you know when this event takes place? It's after the taking of the church. It's after the angel comes back down after the tribulation period, binds the devil, throws him into the, lake, uh, uh, into the bottomless pit for one, zero, zero, zero. A thousand years. A thousand years the planet's still going to go on. Jesus himself will actually come down during that time and be on this same physical planet for a thousand years. So at this point, if God called us today, bam, and tribulation seven years long, if we're pre-trib seven years, then at that event, he'll come back and go for that. So we, after we go, there's still a thousand and seven years. And when that takes place, then he releases the devil for a time. Doesn't explain that one. Don't know how long that one is, but it's for a time. And he'll go back on this same planet talking to people and nations and deceiving them to go against Jesus who's physically in the planet again in his glorified body, reigning as a literal king over the nation of Israel, literally on the planet. And he will deceive them to go and wage war against him, what we call the battle of Armageddon. And they will mount an assault from the four corners of the world to come to descend on the little community called Jerusalem to take out Jesus and his saints. But it will amount to nothing. After that, the Lord will take the devil once and for all and cast him into the lake of fire, which is a second death with the false prophet and the beast that he threw back in the tribulation period. They've been hanging out there for already over a thousand years. Then the death, which is the last enemy, still is holding on to people. And it will have to give up the dead. And this is the most devastating thing. When death gives up the dead, they will go to heaven. And they'll stand before the judgment or the great white throne judgment. And they'll open the books and find that they did not call on Jesus as Lord. And they'll see all of God's glory that they could have chosen if they had only accepted Jesus, only to hear, depart from me, for I never knew you. And then all be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Then death itself will go in the same prison of the kingdom. Then and only then will we get a new heaven and a new earth. This after all those events. Then this takes place. And I heard a loud voice from the throne. Thrones are kingdoms, not religions. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, 
and he will dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. Where's he going to be at? Right here. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and, and, and there will be no longer any death. There will no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. The first things have passed away. He who sits on the throne, thrones are in kingdoms, not religion, said, Behold, I am making all things new. And he said, Right. For these words are faithful and true. And he said to him, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give uh, to the one who thirsts from the springs of the water of life without cause. Get this now. I'm fixing to tie it all together for you. You ready? Are you ready? Verse 7. He who overcomes will, 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 will inherit these things. Have we heard that word inherit before? He who overcomes will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Jesus said in Matthew chapter uh, 25, verse 34, the king will say to those on his right, come, you are blessed to my father. Inherit the kingdom. Prepare for you from the foundations of the world. It's always been about a kingdom, and we'll reign with Christ forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So know this. Know this for sure, without a doubt. Adam lost a kingdom, not a religion. Adam lost a kingdom, guys, not a religion. So the redemptive work of our creator is the reestablishment of his kingdom back to the earth. That's his redemptive plan. It is the forest.